Hey there, Justin again, Fully Live Athlete Pastor Channel, and this is the Daily Online Bible Club Day 4. Alright, so we're back on track here. Um, let me turn around the hat because uh, it'll make the video look a little different for you. No different camera angles. One camera angle today, just the same thing that we were doing earlier, and I want to give you an, a preview, review, whatever you want to call it today for Genesis 10 through 12 and Matthew 4. Genesis 10 is sort of an awkward in-between chapter. It's at the middle school chapter of Genesis 1 through 11. It's going to bring us from Noah uh, with a table of, they call it the table of nations. It's going to bring us, uh, it's going to be actually chronologically probably after uh, chapter 11. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. I'm just telling you, it's got some genealogies there. It's going to connect to some important players later in the story. But Genesis 11, let's talk about that for a minute. You got unity. Unity. Oh, everyone loves to talk about unity, right? Let's be unified. Well, hey, depends on what you believe and what you are about, uh, your principles. Uh, the unity that we see in Genesis 11 is wicked unity. It's unity against God's stated revelation. God had revealed through Adam, or to Adam, uh, that uh, and also to Noah, right in a previous text, that they are to go out and fulfill the, this creation mandate of being fruitful and multiplying. And I'm trained in Reformed theology. I've read the Bible numerous times. And you keep seeing this story of rebellion against God's revealed revelation. It began with Adam in the Garden of Eden, and it continues on uh, through the work of Satan tempting and orchestrating rebellions against God's special revelation. But what this, uh, th this battle that we've been talking about going on here is about, it's about faithfulness to God's special revelation. That's the way Satan is going to be overcome, not actually through warfare uh, 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 against him, which is fascinating. Now, in the end of the Bible, you'll see warfare against Satan, but there's, what we're going to see is this uh, one to come, this offspring of the woman, Jesus, his coming, and we'll see this more in the prophets when we get there, but his coming is going to be in two stages. In a prophetic perspective, it's seen as one event, because it is. Uh, Jesus' uh, ministry and work is one, one continuous work, but it's seen as one thing. But it's actually two comings. It's the first coming and the second coming. So as we, as we uh, move from uh, the end, well, just a couple words on Genesis 11 and 12. Uh, the Babel... It's a, it's a rebellion against God. Why is it so wicked that they're building a tower uh, to reach the heavens? Well, God comes down. You'll notice that he comes down to look at it, which is fascinating because it's, it's ironic language there because they're, they have this really impressive structure, this ziggurat, pyramid-looking thing, this, this uh, amazing structure in their, in their age. But God has to come down to look at it, their, their great tower. Okay, that's one, uh, one thing you got to note there. Uh, and he, and he confuses the languages and, and spreads them out. That's where you get the nations. Well, um, after the last section, uh, you see that these two seeds have fanned out from Noah. Uh, you've got the righteous one. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but if you've never read the Bible, uh, this is that's something I was struck by the first time I read it. I was like, Noah got drunk right after he got off the ark. Here, this is the righteous one. He got drunk. And that's where you have this awkward scene. We're not actually sure what all happened in that tent, but, but Ham, uh, the, uh, out of the three sons, is the cursed one. Uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of the Canaanites, and we're going to see them throughout the story. 
But Ham's actions of disrespect and dishonor to his father led to him being cursed. And that is a fascinating point here as well as there's two seeds. There's the followers of the devil and the followers of the Christ. And Shem is going to rec- uh, become the Shemites, or the, or the, or the uh, you know, they're going to be the the ones who uh, will be the, the chosen people, and then Ham will be the rejected people, uh, and and so you see this uh, this uh, constant conflict between these two lines, uh, but the devil will be overcome through faithfulness to God's revealed revelation. Now, you got to look at. There's so many things to look at in Matthew four. You know, you really got two main things. You've got the temptation. Of Jesus out in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit took Jesus out to the wilderness, led him out there, and here comes Satan, the conflict. This is like round two, but you've got uh, the first Adam failed, and the second Adam goes hand-to-hand combat in the in the wilderness for 40 days. You'll see that this 40 days parallels what we're going to see with Israel and their 40-year journey through the wilderness as well. But Jesus is faithful, unlike the first Israel. Now. You see the three temptations. We could dig into a lot of detail here, but the key thing you've got to realize is that God could have sent a legion of angels and just taken Satan out. He didn't do that. He sent one man to be faithful to special revelation. As Adam failed, Jesus would be obedient and faithful. That's how Satan's overcome. He would be faithful even to go and lay down his life at the cross as he prayed, Not my will, but your will be done. If there's any other way, let this cup pass in the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross was the horrible, awful, final blow uh, against the Son, and and Jesus knew it would be horrible. He's endured the temptations before. He's endured his whole, uh, uh, you know, incarnate life, and he sees that this is going to be the worst challenge, uh, as he's already accomplished this uh, great victory in Genesis or in, in Matthew four. Well, after he, he, he destroys uh, Satan and vanquishes him in this check, text, you see he calls disciples, and he, and he calls them, and he, and he gives them a new calling. He says, hey, I'm going to take you fishermen and make you fishers of men. Now, we have a new calling. We actually uh, get, to, get to lead others to this Christ. Uh, one, one author has said that uh, being a Christian is like being a beggar who has found bread, and you get to lead other beggars to bread. We're fishers. We're fishers of men. Uh, God has you here for a reason if you're in Christ. And so you have a ministry. You have a ministry to, to bring about other people being caught into this net of Christ. And you know what's fascinating is the church does it all together. We're not, we're not, uh, you know, we think of fishing as you're out there, you're, you're doing your own pole and your own baiting and everything like that. Uh, in the ancient world, in a lot of other countries uh, today even, fishing is a community activity. Uh, you get you you can you can actually uh, bring uh, bring a whole you know, they, they had nets right but you know that, one author Paul Miller in his book on evangelism speaks about how a, uh, one culture he's visited has seen uh, where they'll gather arms uh, the whole community will gather arms around the uh, around the pond and they will gradually move in to where they have surrounded the fish and they can take them and put them into the into the buckets in the net. And that's the way we do. Uh, we, we are fishers of men, uh, plural, and we as a collective uh, church are going to, to bring in uh, the nets. Uh, and that's how Jesus works, is through the church. So uh, I hope that's helpful to you guys. There's a few, few insights on this one today, a preview, review, whatever you want to call it. Uh, as you look at, 
Genesis 10 through 12 and Matthew 4. And goodness, I didn't even talk about Genesis 12 yet. Uh, Genesis 12, as you're reading it, you're going to see the introduction of Abraham. So Genesis 1 through 11 is the uh, primeval history. It's the beginning. Uh, Genesis is beginning. Uh, well, we're going to see that uh, Genesis 12 brings a new a shift in the book. And this is where the patriarch uh, uh, narrative begins. And, that's, and the rest of the book is going to focus on Abraham and his descendants. And so we'll dive more into that tomorrow on day five. But just want you to be aware of that, too. I didn't want to, uh, you know, not say anything about Abraham. But we're introduced to him, and he's going to be called to leave everything and follow God and his word. And that's a great example of what Christ does. In the midst of his uh, wilderness uh, temptation, he obeys God's word, even when Satan presents him with a, with a, a much easier option. And Abraham takes the hard option uh, because he believes God. And that's our that's our calling today is to believe God. What's he called you to do? Believe him and trust him and be faithful and obedient. And all, understand that your faithfulness and obedience is absolutely uh, represented in Christ. His is yours through faith. And you cannot lose that standing. All right. I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, online Bible reading. That was, a, that was a, just a... Golly, that was a lot. Uh, so this is a packed day. Enjoy it. Uh, praise God for it. And I'll see you on day five. God bless.